wrestling fans, are you ready? This is Tuesday. You people bought a ticket to see me, so shut up. Wrestling Tuesday with Jonathan Hood. First of all, Dusty Rhodes, I think what you are is a big, ugly, low-class redneck goose. That's what I think you are. Yeah, I put it. I know I put it. But I'm most of all, the baddest man around in the world today. Follow the show at WrestlingTWT on Twitter and Instagram. But remember, my fireflies, as always, I'll light the way. And all you have to do is let me in. Tuesday, Wrestling Tuesday. The bottom line is, in all my magnificence, you're going to be mine. All Here's Jonathan Hood. It's Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday with Jonathan Hood right here on ESPN 1000, the brand new ESPN Chicago app. So glad that you're with us. Every Tuesday night, we give you the best in wrestling conversation slash sports entertainment. You can find Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday on Twitter at WrestlingTWT. Don't forget about our YouTube page as well, youtube.com. Look for Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday and hit the subscribe button. Even though there are no fans at a lot of these events for pro wrestling, there's still pro wrestling taking place. You know, WrestleMania is right around the corner in Tampa, which is now going to be two days. AEW still rolling shows in Jacksonville at Daly's Place with no fans. And to join us to talk about all the storylines around pro wrestling is Mike Johnson from PWInsider.com. Go to that website, PWInsider.com, as we talk to our friend Mike Johnson right here on Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Mike, as always, I appreciate it. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Oh, my pleasure, Jonathan. What else do I have to do these days? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I, wa- I want to open up and ask you about you and your family. How's everything in New York? Because uh, this COVID-19 isn't going away anytime soon, just based on everything we read and, and see every day. No, it's, it, it's, it's depressing to watch the news here. I mean, we're right now, I guess, ever, out of everywhere in the United States, we're, New York City is pretty much the epicenter of it at the moment. We've got more cases than anyone else, and they expect that to grow. Uh, basically, everything that you could think about as a complimentary attraction or something that you love about New York City has been shut down. There's no restaurants open. All the culture is shut down. Uh, a lot of people are sick. A lot of people are worried. A lot of people are waiting to go back to work. You know, non-essential employees are pretty much shut down everywhere. And, uh, you know, it's, it, they say it's going to get worse before it gets better. So it's, it's frustrating. It's maddening. You know, my family's fine. Everybody's kind of holed up at their places. And, you know, we're just doing what we got to do. Those, uh, you know, I, it, it's, it's weird for me to an extent because I work from home anyway and I write and I work on, and I, you know, what's now become the, the, the hot thing or the, the, the cool thing is everyone's going to telecommute to work. I've been doing that for 17 years. So for me, my average day hasn't changed all that much, but, for the average person, they're sitting, they're sitting around in their house trying to figure out what they're going to do with themselves, and that that's not fun. And it's uh, I hope it passes quicker than they think it will, but logistically and logically, I, I think we're in for a a lot more darkness before we see any light. And you know, it's scary to think, hey, if I walk out and I shake my neighbor's hand, they could pass something on to me, and neither of us would know for two weeks that either of us are sick. And then you think about packages, you know, we can't shut down human connection completely. There's always going to be mail coming or packages coming where you're going to have to go out and do something. And so there's like a level of, of paranoia and there's a level of, of, of fright. And it's, it's a scary thing. And you feel that sort of malaise and that sort of crushing 
soul, soul, soul smashing feeling. You know, I walk around in my neighborhood to get exercise and it's quiet and eerie in a way that New York City should never be. And, you know, I'm sure it's very similar in Chicago and Los Angeles and other places. I just hope it gets better soon, and I hope people are being smart, because the only way that we're going to get past all this is if everybody's smart, and they figure out exactly who's sick, and they treat them, and we keep others from getting sick. Because it's real easy to say, I'm fine, and then you go out, and it turns out two weeks later you've got it, and you've passed it on to how many people who are then passing it on to their circles, because you had an interaction with them even briefly. So it's just, you know, it's it's. I know we're here to talk wrestling and and have fun, but it is a scary time right now. Yeah, there's no question. Uh, I went uh, out for the first time in a while yesterday. Went to the studio, and I mean, you know how you know your city's busy, and you know how busy Chicago can get. You could put a bowling ball right down State Street and it wouldn't hit anything. It was it was <laughs> like yeah, I, I hadn't seen that until you know maybe you're leaving the clubs or the bar scene, and maybe 4 a.m. on Sunday. Maybe it looks like that, but. Uh, to see that on a Monday, that was just amazing. Just to see there was nothing going on, no no cabs, no cars in the street. So it's um, it's a serious thing. There's no question. It was probably the quickest you ever got to the studio. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> no, you know, no and, and it's you know it's crazy yeah. to think about you know like Miracle Mile and you know Sixth Avenue in New York are like the big shopping hubs and those you know I'm sure those places are, are deathly quiet right now and that's not good for the people who live in Chicago. It's not good for the people who live in New York. It's not good for those of us who work here. Or, you know, it's not it's not good for people who have made their roots in these cities. And, you know, it's you but it's you can't be irresponsible and just be like, all right, well, the heck with this. we got to go back to work and our way of life has to go back to normal if it means it's going to be a huge flare up in terms of more people being sick, especially before we have this kind of under control. And, you know, the hospitals and the fire departments and the police departments and everybody else that we expect to be our first line of defense in this are still overwhelmed. We have to wait until it's gotten to the point where it can be managed just like any other illness. And that's why I get kind of nuts when people go, oh, it's just the flu, it's just this. No, it's not, because this is blowing up, and if it's overwhelming the system, then at some point that's going to cascade back over on us. Even if it's not illness, what if one of us get into a car accident and we got to be taken to the hospital and suddenly we can't be treated or there's no bed or the ER is overwhelmed because of everything else that's going on? Like people, you know, you got to think about this logically. You know, if one of us cuts our finger off by accident in the kitchen, we still got to go to the ER. And if the ER is overwhelmed, it's the difference of being seen in, in, in a half hour, being seen 12 hours later. And now you're sitting there for 12 hours and you're Lord knows what's circulating in the hospital. And Lord knows who you're interacting with. Like, like think, little things like that, you know, there'll be a ripple effect that people might not think about. Mike Johnson from PWInsider.com with Jonathan Hood on Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday on ESPN 1000, the brand new ESPN Chicago app. Mike, I want to get your insight on what WrestleMania could look like using the New Japan Pro Wrestling Wrestle Kingdom model for a two-day event for the first time. Yeah, so the the word that I heard, uh, actually, probably about an hour before we even sat down, was that they were looking at doing eight matches each night. Um, and obviously everything's in flux, and that can change. Uh, they're going to pre-tape WrestleMania this week down in Florida at a couple of different locations. But the word we had heard was they were going to do eight matches on the sat- for the Saturday broadcast, eight matches for the Sunday broadcast. That way uh, there would be 16 matches total. I mean... You would think that the second night's going to close out with Brock Lesnar against Drew McIntyre. Uh, Edge versus Randy Orton, we're hearing in the last man standing match, they're going to give that a lot of attention. I wouldn't be shocked to see that main event, the the first night 
just because it's Edge's first big singles match back in nine years. While it's an unfor- the timing of it is unfortunate and that fans won't get to have that immediate gratification of watching it live and, and, the, and the performers don't get that gratification of performing in front of fans live, it's still an important moment for Adam Copeland. Uh, you know, I, I, and we saw how emotional that was for him at the Royal Rumble when he came back. Uh, I, I think Orton and Edge is going to get a lot of attention that first night. That's just my gut feeling. Uh, you know, they've they've the lineup's good. Uh, there's some weird matches they've added to the undercard, but I think that's hey, let's try and get everybody on the car on the show as much as possible. It's going to be a strange WrestleMania because the number one thing that everybody loves about pro wrestling is that that connectivity between the performer and the audience, and that that electricity that you get watching the the performance. And we'll still be able to watch it on on pay per view and the WWE Network and all that. But a lot of that live electricity that people live for as wrestling fans, that sort of roller coaster ride that you go on, uh, it's it's a different it's gonna be a different element now and that energy won't be blazing through the television to the viewers either. It's uh you know, as we've seen they've tried to kind of fine tune and, and figure out the right formula for the WWE television programs in recent weeks, and it wasn't until all elite wrestling did dynamite that somebody in WWE went, Eureka we should do it like that. And if you watch the most recent episode of Raw, it it was shot very similar to how AEW had shot Dynamite the week before. So I, I think WrestleMania, you know, if it's me, I look at it like this. We have no audience. The normal physics of what people expect WrestleMania to be are thrown out the window. Let's just push the envelope. Let's get a little more theatrical with it. Let's do different locations. Let's kind of do some guerrilla warfare-style shooting on the street. Let's push things. Let's shoot it differently. Let's go a little wacky with special effects, especially with someone like The Undertaker against AJ Styles. And we don't have to worry about spoilers floating out, most likely. Let's just push it as hard as we can. And whether we like it or not, the situation that we're all in, the WrestleMania show is going to be completely historical and completely unique because let's say, best case scenario, things get back to normal, right? Mm-hmm. By the time we get to SummerSlam or the next big pay-per-view, it'll be back to the traditional presentation of what we expect the World Wrestling Entertainment broadcast to be. This is going to be a once-in-a-lifetime thing, uh, and they should probably just push the envelope, and even if it's a little hokey or a little a little goofy or a little silly and a little bit more cartoonish this year, than it's been the last couple of years, you know what, push the envelope, and I say go as crazy as you can with it, because at the end of the day, they are basically putting themselves in the position where they're trying to distract people and make them happy and give them something other than this pandemic to worry about and stress about. So if they can give us four or five hours of that a night, two straight nights, that's a wonderful gift, I think, for anybody who's watching the show. But I say just, you know, take the home run, Go for the home, take the bat, go for the home run, run the bases, and do it as as loudly and as as crazy and as garishly as possible. Just go all out. That's just how I feel. And I'm traditionally a wrestling purist. I don't want to watch, for me, I want to watch great wrestling, but I feel like this show, which has always been about spectacle and craziness, you know, you, the pomp and circumstance will have to be different this year. So push it in a different direction and just go, go, go. Because what we've seen on their Raw and their SmackDown broadcast is the character-driven stuff has worked better than the actual in-ring wrestling. 
So oh, I say go crazy with the character stuff. This is gone. This is sweet karma in a strange way, Mike Johnson, because what Vince has never wanted is wrestling. He wanted to have this big spectacle, and now his shows are looking like ICW in the past. He should just paint fans on. <laughs> just, just, just paint the fans, you know, or just go crazy. Go team challenge series like Vern at the end at AWA, and just yeah. you know pipe in the fans and just to have a B roll of fans. And, and <laughs> Who I've knows? Written, I've written this on PW Insider, <laughs> but inside the Performance Center, um, they have a room. They call it the 3D Suite. And there's a wrestling ring in there, a full-size wrestling ring. And imagine, like, when they film Star Wars, you see, like, the green screen. Mm-hmm. It's 360-degree green screen. So they could put a wrestling match on the moon if they wanted, you know, and have the moon be the background. And I, would, I, I don't know that they're going to utilize that, that for, their, for the WrestleMania. But I would think if there's ever a time to try and roll out some crazy CGI uh, technology and, and, and use it for pro wrestling, that this is probably the time and place. So maybe we'll see some of that technology utilized, or maybe we'll see them try and experiment more. You know, it wasn't all that long ago, a couple of years ago, that they were experimenting with uh, the the uh, the images being shot down to the ring when Randy Orton was wrestling Bray Wyatt at the one WrestleMania, and they had the worms and the other things being projected down to the ring. You know, who knows what what this means for Bray Wyatt against John Cena? They could just film a whole match in the Firefly Funhouse. Right. You know, they, they, we've got a boneyard match, which I, you know, they haven't really explained what that is with AJ Styles and the Undertaker, but I'm assuming they're filming it in a graveyard or a graveyard-like setting. So, I mean, I don't think we're, I think we're going to see them go a little, a little crazy with the, with the environments, and it'll probably be more like, uh, you know, maybe like a backyard wrestling video game <laughs> than, than a traditional WWE broadcast. What is uh, the hottest match for you for WrestleMania so far? See, it was Drew McIntyre and Brock Lesnar, and I kind of, like, this is, this is nobody's fault. All of this has been foisted upon all of us. But I do feel like Drew McIntyre fought and scratched and kicked and punched his way from wrestling oblivion back to being employed by WWE and, and then getting a main event at WrestleMania. And for him not to have that in front of the crowd, not have that moment of victory in front of family and friends, if that's where they're going, uh, you know that that kind of it kind of blunts the to me the importance of that match. Um, I I am very interested in Shayna Baszler versus Becky Lynch. I think they've done a great job of building up Shayna Baszler as this monster threat to Becky. Um, I liked the the initial angle where she attacked Becky and bit her on the back of the neck and came up like Freddie Blassie as the vampire from the old Los Angeles territory and things like that. And I, I, I thought, like, the the promos and the interviews from each of them have been excellent. And even this week on Monday Night Raw, where they were, Shayna was in the darkened ring being interviewed by Charlie Caruso, and then Becky out of nowhere, out of the darkness, like Batman strikes, you know, and, and hits her with the chair and leaves her out and just walks away with this sort of smug, happy smile, like, I, I finally got my pound of flesh. Like, I, I feel like there's something interesting there. And the other match that I really want to watch is, you know, here's Rhea Ripley, 23 years old. Four years ago, she wasn't even in the company. She's going to be making her WrestleMania debut the first time an NXT title is defended on a WrestleMania stage against Charlotte Flair, who's one of the 1% best wrestlers in the world today, not even female wrestlers, just best performers in the world. And Charlotte Flair is someone who always delivers on a major stage. Rhea Ripley has delivered tremendously anytime she's been given the opportunity 
And in a perfect world, that would be taking place in front of 70,000 people in Raymond James Stadium, Stadium in Tampa. But how much pressure and, and how much electricity must Rhea Ripley be feeling, knowing that this is the biggest opportunity of her life, and a great match with Charlotte, win or lose, will make her, because WrestleMania will still be the time capsule for this year. It's a twisted, weird, awkward time capsule that's, you know, definitive of the, or defining in, in the way that the, you know, the sort of vortex that we're in at the moment is, is defining the current culture. But it'll still be the time capsule. So while there won't be that immediate gratification or those major moments of, of thousands of fans jumping up and down with excitement, I do think a lot of these definitive moments for 2020 are going to come from that show for WWE. I mean, I really think, I don't think there's a bad match on the show, to be honest with you. Mike, uh, it's interesting about how news develops. Sometimes you're not even looking for it, and it just sometimes just pops up on your phone, or you're just doing one search and you find something else. I want to just direct people to PWInsider.com for a story I find very interesting. So there's a fan asking Saudi Arabia, where's the WWE Network? And the response from the network is, well, thanks for reaching out. Our sincerest apologies for the inconvenience. WWE Network will not be available in Saudi Arabia until further notice. Well, what is, what's that? I mean, I, what, what, was that there a release? That is a great question. Uh, no one seems to be willing to clarify that yet. Um, but it was, it's not been the first time that WWE has said, hey, we're, we've got this relationship with the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia and we're, we, we're waiting to sign this TV deal. We've got this 10-year deal to produce events. And then when it comes time for their financials to be announced, the money hasn't been received by Saudi Arabia or the deal hasn't been signed yet. So, and, and that doesn't make investors happy. So there, it appears behind the scenes, although neither side will obviously ever comment on this publicly, there's been a little bit of a tug of war over the situation. And it may be that the WWE Network's been pulled in that country until things are, are kind of uh, ironed out. Uh, we'll see. They weren't <laughs> going back there, I think. They had talked about August, and then I think the return date is now going to be like the first week in November, mm-hmm. tentatively. Uh, so they have time to iron it out before they, anyone goes over there. So we'll see what happens. I find it interesting that the WWE was on, on my company uh, on the uh, one of the platforms of ESPN, just seeing some of the old WrestleManias on ESPN. I'm wondering, uh, in, in your gut feeling, do you think that there's a likely deal with ESPN or DAZN or one of these streaming services? Because all we keep hearing is that WWE might want to take some of their tentpole events and be able to ship them off someplace else to be able to garner money for them. What, what's your gut feeling on that? Well, WWE had said, Vince McMahon had said, that if they made an announcement that some of these events were going to be going to streaming services, it would be done by the end of the first quarter, which would be the end of March, which we're just a couple of, you know, not too far away from. However, uh, the current pandemic throws everything into and, and all, all the plans have been thrown out with all the wrenches. Uh, so I don't know what that means. However, you know, we had heard that they were talking with NBC Universal about the, the Peacock, uh, which is going to be the NBC streaming service that launches this summer. It's going to have like say by new episodes of Saved by the Bell and things like that. But <laughs> you would think they've had a, a, a strong relationship with WWE, so you would think they would ha- kind of have the inside baseball sort of. Uh, you know, they they they'd be more likely. But there's definitely been chatter in the last month or so that ESPN Plus, which obviously already has a huge U- money making deal with UFC, 
uh, was cho- was talking to WWE, and maybe the uh, the ESPN WrestleMania broadcasts are kind of like the feeling out process, you know, like hey, let's go out to dinner and see if uh, we we get along before we start dating, you know, or mm-hmm. hey, water's fine, come on in, let's see if we can uh, go do some laps in the pool together. Um, you know, I I think it would be silly to dismiss the idea that ESPN Plus which is owned by Disney, which is a huge, massive thing that has bought everything else in my childhood, um, from <laughs> Star Wars to Marvel to the Muppets, uh, to, to dismiss that, hey, they might be willing to purchase WWE and create a system similar to UFC, which is you have to subscribe to ESPN, and then you have to uh, pay per event. The real question is, can WWE and a potential streaming partner get fans who have now become acclimated over the last six years to paying $10 a month to get everything now start to pay an additional fee for certain events or additional fee per event. I don't know. It's a, it's an, it'll be an interesting social experiment to see uh, what happens, but I would not dismiss ESPN plus uh, partnering with WWE down the line. I think anybody who dismisses anything at this time and at this time of this, of this stage of the game where WWE is obviously looking to create a new viable revenue stream for themselves would be silly to do so. Mike Johnson from PWInsider.com with Jonathan Hood on Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday on ESPN 1000, the brand new ESPN Chicago app. So how much has this pandemic, Mike, um, really hurt the indie scene economically? Oh, it wiped it out because you can't run shows. Well, I mean, all right, so, you know, let's compare it to Broadway, right? So you buy a ticket to Broadway, you go to Broadway, you're buying food and drinks or whatever at the, at, at the theater. Maybe you're buying a T-shirt. Maybe you're buying the program. Maybe you're buying some other piece of merchandise related to the show. If that show doesn't happen, no one's buying shirts. No one's buying program. No one's buying merchandise. No one's buying uh, dinner. No one's buying drinks. No one's paying for parking. No one's paying for anything. It all stops. This uh, shutdown... Uh, with Chicago, with New York, with L.A., with a bunch of other markets and other cities and other states. Um, it has shut down the, the independent wrestling industry. There are a few promotions running non-shows with no crowds in it uh, and streaming them. But if you're an indie wrestler, right, if you're Jonathan Hood the Great, and you're gonna, you've got 25 bookings in the next month, you're planning to drive to those bookings, sell your merchandise, get paid to take those bumps, right? Yep. Well... You're not getting paid to wrestle. Since you're not getting paid to wrestle, you're not making any merchandise money because you're not making any merchandise money. Maybe you don't have money to put gas in your car now. So, I mean, and so now you're just hanging around at home. And I've seen a lot of wrestlers doing like some sort of different fundraising and other things. Uh, but it's, it, you know, this is a business that, that, you know, you have to keep running and you have to run on that treadmill. You have to do that grind. And if you shut the door and it's, you're unable to move, nothing, you know, you can't, you, if you can't get in the car, you can't turn the key to turn it on. And that's kind of where we are now. We're all waiting for the permission to turn the key so we can all get back to the, the, the gears moving. And the real question is, when is it safe, especially in something like pro wrestling? Locker rooms, small independent shows, these are close quarters. All it's going to take is one person who's sick to walk into a locker room, forget the person that they're wrestling with, but, you know, one, one brief cough or they touch something and you're in close quarters and now potentially 20, 30 people could have caught it and then it goes to their circle and so on. So, I mean, this is, uh, you know, until there's a viable vaccine,
seen, this is going to have to change indie wrestling. People are going to be far more concerned. They're going to be far more careful. They have to be far more hygienic in terms of making sure that the ring and the ropes and the buildings are cleaner. I mean, this is this is a uh, you know for an independent wrestler, this is the death knell for death knell for quite a while, and it's going to take a while before things get back up to normal. When, uh, when people hear us talk about indie uh, and. I want to make sure that it's clear. Yeah, we're talking about indies, but we're also talking about the NWA, Ring of Honor, Impact, the indies in Japan, in the UK as well, right? Yeah, we're talking about everything. Like, the, yeah. the, the whole scene has pretty much shut down. And, you, you know, it's uh, like on PW Insider right now, one of the things I've been doing is just grabbing people and doing conversations, just like you and I are having right here. Uh, but there's so many people who are like, I don't know what to do with myself whether it's promoters or indie wrestlers or wrestling trainers who can't open their schools right now, everyone's sort of like, I don't know what to do with myself. And these are all crazy, eclectic, creative people. And all they want to do is work, and all they want to do is get back to doing what they love. And some of them aren't even making enough money, to, and they, they want to get back to doing it. And, you know, just because for a lot of them it's about – trying to better themselves and have the opportunity to get to a WWE or an all elite wrestling. And the process has been halted. You know, it's no different than, you know, all the kids who are in school. Oh, you can't go to school. Okay. So I can't go to school for the next two months, possibly longer. So what am I going to do? You know, there are kids who were supposed to graduate high school this year who are losing their senior year. Like, like emotionally, sociologically, philosophically, the trajectory of their lives will be changed forever. And, you know, you look at indie wrestlers, there are going to be wrestlers who missed out on opportunities. You know, we're a week away from what would have been WrestleMania week, right? Mm -hmm. A month ago, the complaint was there were too many shows taking place in the Tampa Bay area. Now there's zero. So think about the talents who would have had great showings that weekend, the talents who would have been seen in front of WWE scouts or All Elite Wrestling scouts or New Japan scouts, the talents who would have networked and found their way, the talents who would have made money just on, on, a, on a purely uh, grassroots level of, hey, I sold 20 T-shirts today, I sold 100 T-shirts today, the talents who would have had 9, 10, 12, 15 bookings over the course of a week. So all of that money gone, all that interest re ge potentially generated gone, all that, that networking generated gone, all the potential of the future gone. So there are talents and careers now that will be changed forever because that week didn't happen. The mythical wrestling, WrestleMania city, as I call it, didn't rise out of the sea like Atlantis and then go back down. It just never showed up. And since it never showed up, there are going to be careers who the, the, the bullet points and the chapters of their life will be completely different now. There will be people who might have gotten WWE contracts out of that week who now have missed that window where that window never existed, and who knows if they'll ever get that opportunity again. Mike, lastly, I want to get your thoughts on AEW. You mentioned that uh, what they did at Daly's Place in Jacksonville, it, it was brilliant because it just made sense. It shows you some experience in the back in which you have producers that say, you know what, if we turn this around, turn this camera around, and not use the traditional hard camera angle, uh, you know what, maybe this will work out and it look great. They've done a nice job with it. What are your thoughts uh, on AEW and the job that they've done so far during this time? Okay, so I'm not saying this because Tony Khan is, is, a, is, a, is, a, is an Illinois guy, <laughs> but Chicago should be very proud of Tony Khan and his team because out of all of the wrestling broadcasts that took place up until that point, it was basically a small 
drab, dark WWE show with some fancy lighting. AEW Dynamite, that episode that aired from, uh, I think it was close set in Jacksonville, it looked and felt so bright and alive and full of energy. And uh, I understand why certain people are like, well, that would, this wasn't cool because they had too many people close to each other. But having the heels on one side of the ring and having the, the baby faces, the heroes on the other side of the ring, all making ambient noise and playing up their characters. First of all, all the characterization stuff felt like it came out of a 1980 Saturday Night Main Event vignette. Yeah. It was all great MJF betting with Sean Spears and Colt Cabana doing his silly thing and all that. But to me, like that ambient noise and that electricity and that, and that sort of rambunctious feel, that's what pro wrestling should feel like. And up until then, we had Steve Austin going, give me a hell yeah, and they show empty chairs. Like, let's just make light of the fact that we can't watch this live. You know, right. it, it, it like I know they were going, so WWE was trying to lean into the silly, and to me, it, 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 there was a disconnect with the audience. AEW kind of went, listen, we got to all come together, but we can't live in fear. Which we, you know, you can't live in fear, but at the same time, it's a scary time, so you got to be, you got to be, you got to be careful. And then they tried to just put on the best show that they could and put on a, a bunch of great wrestling matches in front of a, a fun environment. And by the end, with Matt Hardy showing up and then Luke Harper, excuse me, the former Luke Harper, Brody Lee showing up, there was a feeling of like major milestone things that happened here, newsworthy things that happened here. We weren't treading water. We were trying to, we were trying to run the motorboat as fast as we could. And who knows if they'll be able to follow that up and continue that this coming week or in ensuing weeks. But AEW was like a phoenix rising, you know, out of the grave for pro wrestling and shining through the sky last Wednesday. And I, I, I don't, I'm not shocked the rating was so well for them. I think they had a little under a million people. But I feel like it, it galvanized wrestling fans in a way that WWE could have had the chance to do especially with Steve Austin on Raw. Like, imagine if Steve Austin had been General George Patton giving the, we're going to get through this speech. Mm-hmm. How many wrestling fans would have been inspired by that? But they chose not to go that direction. They, did just, they went for the silly, where he kicked Byron Saxton in the, in the groin and hit him with the stunner and things like that. They went for the silly. AEW, I feel they kind of galvanized the audience to make them feel like you're not alone, we're here with you, and here's some kick-ass wrestling to get you through the night. And that's what I think that's what the general populace needs right now. They need hope, they need to be excited, they need something that's going to inspire them. And I think All Elite Wrestling did a phenomenal job last week of being those talents and that company to kind of make people sit up and go, it's okay to take a deep breath and let it out, it's okay to relax a little and enjoy yourself. And that's what they did, and they should be commended for that. Mike, if I go to PWInsider.com, what would I find? Right now, you'll find a bunch of interviews. We did a two-hour interview with Dr. Tom Pritchard today. Oh, uh, no, that's good. Yeah, we've got, uh, actually, this week we've got uh, the creative and the creative producer and directors of Dark Side of the Ring, the new Vice TV series that's come back for its second season with a bunch of wrestling documentaries on the site. We're going to have the legendary Les Thatcher, who's a well-known wrestler and trainer mm-hmm. from the Territory era on. We're actually going to have uh, Howard Brody, who's an author, former NWA president, on this week. And uh, Jimmy Noonan, who for many years was the director of security for WWE, is going to be on with us as well. So we'll be talking about what's it like protecting Vince McMahon and kind of being Secret Service 
for the WWE stars and things of that nature. And uh, next week, we've already lined up a bunch of other people, including Ring of Honor founder Kara Silkin, Dan Moff, who's been around wrestling for a long time, who's now in Ring of Honor, Shark Boy, who's always a fun conversation. So if people are looking for things to listen to beyond Jonathan Hood that are pro wrestling related to kind of distract them and have some fun while we're all waiting for life to return to normal, they can check out PWInsider.com. Indeed, uh, PWInsider.com is where you go. Mike, I'm glad uh, you stopped by. Again, the best to you and your family and friends. And uh, as a wrestling community, we're still enjoying our wrestling, and we'll get through it. That's all, that's all we can hope, right? And I appreciate you even calling me and asking me to come on. I take it as a huge compliment. Uh, I love Chicago. Uh, I've been there probably 25 times in the last 15 or 20 years of my life. Uh, I, 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 I am a big fan of Illuminati's. Uh, I have walked Miracle Mile. I have. I was there not even three or four weeks ago. I was at C2E2 walking the aisles. I saw Evil Dead the musical there. I was at AEW Revolution. You guys are an awesome city. You're going to get through it. We're going to get through it. Because uh, don't tell Los Angeles anywhere else, but I don't think there's anyone tougher than Chicago and New York. So I think we'll be fine at the end, and we're going to get back to watching some great wrestling and, and hopefully having great lives. And all we got to do is just do what we can to protect ourselves and be diligent about it. And, Jonathan, my best to you and your family, man. Thank you so much. Mike Johnson from BWInsider.com with us on Tuesday, Wrestling Tuesday. Catch us next Tuesday, and don't forget to follow along on Twitter at WrestlingTWT.